Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Here's Cody Bellinger, 67 RBIs since July 1st, the most in baseball. Left-handed batter against the left-hander Block, who looks at first and delivers the pitch. This is lined to deep left. Going back, Jones near the track makes a backhanded catch. This will score a run as tagging and coming in is Christopher Morell and the Cubs strike first a 1-0 lead over the Rockies on the sacrifice fly by Cody Bellinger. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Zach Zayman's voice had some pep in it. Started off well. Cubs put up one in the first, two in the third and then it went downhill from there. That was it. Didn't score for the rest of the game. Rockies would go on to put seven on the scoreboard and defeat the Cubs 7-3, 11 hits for both teams. But unfortunately, the Cubs dropped two out of three of the Rockies. Tough, not, not what they wanted, to, uh, not what they wanted to, to do out there in Colorado. But nonetheless, uh, the Rockies with them ugly jerseys ended up beating, the, <laughs> beating up the Cubs today. So I'm curious. I'm curious because the Cubs currently four and a half back from Milwaukee. And then they have essentially a game and a half lead over or excuse me, I'm sorry, two-and-a-half game lead over the next closest wildcard spot. So I wonder, two-and-a-half games, Are you? is there any panic there, or is that a very comfortable two-and-a-half? Well, we get to talk to our next guest about that. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is a Cubs reporter for Watch Marquee. You can check him out right on there. Tony Andraki joining the show. Now, Tony, good to talk to you again, man. Hey, yeah, it's great to talk to you, too. So, a- a- any panic in, in your heart and soul uh, seeing with the Cubs? Not not even just this series, right? I mean, not not this series, because it's baseball, and this, these things happen. But just over the last, you know, couple of weeks, uh, or not even couple, last week, I would say, to be specific, leading into right now, where you're at, you know, about to face the Arizona Diamondbacks, two and a half, holding on to the last spot by two and a half games. Any panic whatsoever, or you feel like it's just a matter of, just tightening, tightening some screws here and there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a complicated question in the sense of like, yeah, I think it's understandable and natural that there is a le- little level of panic, especially in Cubs fans' ideas and in their thoughts, because there are only 15 games left, and there's less than three weeks left in the season. And, um, you know, it's totally understandable that there might be a little bit of panic um, just given the situation that they're in. And it's obviously a very real possibility that um, this team could fold and, you know, all that stuff. I I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think that 
even, you know, this one series has changed my mind in that at all because this series and, and all three games, I don't think the Cubs looked like themselves. They didn't play like themselves. They weren't playing to their strengths. They weren't playing, you know, the way that they're capable of playing. But that's the first time that I've seen that for a full series in two full months now, like getting back to before, I, I would say the entirety of September up to this point, the entirety of August and the entirety of July, like this team has played well in um, at least one game in a series. And, and most often it's been two, three, four games of a series. So um, yeah, it just, you know, I think David Ross pointed after the game that it was, uh, it was 14 games in 13 days to start this month. It's been 27 games in 27 days. And like, yeah, it's maybe a little bit of an excuse, but I also think there's a reality to it, especially when the Brewers after today will have only played 23 games in that same 27 day stretch. So I, I think it, there's just, a human component that these Cubs were worn down and they looked worn down in, in Colorado this week. So I think the panic would only really set in is if they come out after an off day and have a really poor lackluster showing in Arizona this weekend. You're absolutely right. I mean, if, if, if they win in Arizona, if they win the first game, no one's necessarily concerned or nobody's, you know, ringing the alarm if that happens. I, I, I just think of now this is for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Cubs just from the outside and I'm, I'm 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 wondering a couple of things. One is, you know, what is this back end of the bullpen looking like for the next couple of weeks? And then the other one that's glaring to me, and I've had people talk to me about it here, you know, at the office, it's the removal of Mike Talkman at the top of the order. And for me, I feel like, you know, those two and a half months that you were just talking about, Tony, I feel like Talkman played a a, a, a large role in that, just solidifying the top of the order. You know, the, the the ability to take pitches, Cubs were winning in that space. And then all of a sudden, I feel like that got moved on from where Ross, at during that same stretch, started to have some regularity in his lineups. But those are the two things that I point to. Uh, when you hear that and you think about the back end of the bullpen for the next couple of weeks and, and Talkman, you know, being removed from the top of the order, you know, what w- what comes to your mind when thinking about the Cubs and, 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 and the situation that they're in? Yeah, I think, you know, just the last few days, Talkman out of the leadoff spot is just a result of Peaker Armstrong and trying to get him in there. And PCA obviously has been playing center field and uh, playing it really well. He did have that mess up where he kind of lost the ball in the sun today. But, you know, Tuesday last night, he had a couple of absolutely incredible catches. And Mike Talkman's played a really good center field. He's had some really good at-bats, and he had some really good at-bats even last night and and today as well um, in a part-time role coming off the bench. Uh, as a pinch hitter and so on. So I think there's definitely um, still a role for talking on this team. I do expect to see him leading off at times. I don't think PCA is going to be playing every day down the stretch. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at that just because that defense is a real game changer, but I think he's looked a little overmatched and, you know, what, seven or eight plate appearances only so far, but he's definitely looked a little overmatched at the plate. Um, and I think that, Talkman has just given such a good calm at bat all the time. And he drew another big walk today as the Cubs are trying to rally. Like it'd be hard to just completely eliminate Mike Talkman's bat and presence in the lineup. And then, like you said, especially in the leadoff spot, because that's what he did and was able to do. And the Cubs don't have a bunch of left-handed options. I mean, Cody Bellinger obviously has been incredible. Ian Happ switch hits, but then other than that, I mean, it's Talkman, it's Pete Armstrong and it's Miles Mastroboni and Mastroboni is not getting any opportunities to hit or, or play, you know, that's not his role right now. So, yeah, I think Talkman still has a, has a big role, especially against righties and maybe against tough righties. So I think he'll be out there. Um, but also, you know, especially in course Field with the cavernous outfield, 
it made a lot of sense for PCA to to kind of roam center and see what this kid could do for a couple games. Yeah, and even give him the opportunity to face, you know, maybe what some would consider subpar pitching for your first time. And, you know, having a first couple of games with, you know, a flexing and, and block today. So, I mean, it didn't necessarily work out. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, he's a guy that can cover a lot of ground and can be someone that could be a defensive replacement, you know, late in the game. Uh, double back on the uh, on the on the the back end of the Cubs bullpen. I mean, I, you feel like they they've been in this situation before where they've tried before Alzale had to actually you know secure that role as the closer. They were putting in different people and Rossi was trying different things. So I'm I'm confident in the bullpen to to still execute at a high level without Alzale being there to to close games. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a major. Um... I guess just a major point of emphasis for Ross and the coaching staff is to figure that out because you're right. Once Adbert really took that closers role and then allowed Mark Leiter Jr. and Julian Merriweather to fill in in the seventh and eighth innings and Michael Fulmer to bridge that gap in the fifth or sixth innings at times, like that, that was when the Cubs took off. That was when the bullpen really was pitching well and took off. And now you just don't have that because Adbert's not healthy. He's going to be out for, you know, another week and a half at least. Um, and that's best case scenario, obviously with a forearm, you never know. Um, Fulmer was out for, you know, almost three weeks. Justin Steele had the same kind of issue uh, and only missed the minimum 15 days on the IL. So you don't really know, um, you know, kind of best case scenario, you got Adbert back for like the last week of the season. So in the meantime, I, I think Merriweather has pitched well, Leiter has pitched well, but they're also at a point where like they've never pitched this far into a season in their career. Leiter has been a starter for most of his career. You know, he had Tommy John. He's had injury issues. Uh, Merriweather has also had a bunch of injury issues and, um, you know, hasn't really put together like a full season in the big leagues like this either. And certainly not in a, in a stretch run like this for either of them pitching in their current roles. So um, they, they were off completely in Colorado. Uh, Leiter warmed up once, but that was about it. So like maybe that and the off day Thursday will kind of help springboard them moving forward. But certainly Ross needs to figure out other guys too, because, it, you know, Fulmer's back, Brad Boxberger's back, but some combination of it because Merriweather and Leiter can't pitch every game. And right now the Cubs are playing close games just about every yeah. single day. So they're going to need, they're going to need to rely on those back end bu- uh, bullpen arms. Yeah. Well, like Merriweather said earlier in the week, got to always be ready. You never know. So you got to be uh, prepared for those kinds of things. We're talking to Tony Andraki here on 670, the score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. Let's talk about uh, Patrick Wisdom for a second. If I if I see him have a one at bat day again, <laughs> I mean people are just you know people are obviously down on him. I know Rossi's trying to get him some at bats. I have zero problem with it because I know he can you know add some power in the middle of the lineup. Uh, but what's your what's been your take on on Patrick Wisdom over the course of the last couple of months? Yeah, I think um, Ross has said that he likes the role for Wisdom against left-handed pitchers. You know, he's going to get a start and. Up until Candelario landed on the IL, Wisdom was always playing first base, and that left Candelario most often at third, um, or Wisdom would DH here or there, maybe if Madrigal was also getting a start. Uh, I think you know, Madrigal is going to play defensively most of the time and get most of the starts because you know, he can match up against tough righties. At this point, they don't, you know, Wisdom has barely played defense at third. I think Madrigal is their third baseman defensively. He's been really good over there. They like him a lot, and when defense is so paramount at this point in the season, I think it's a guy like Madrigal that will be getting the lion's share of playing time, especially until Candelario comes back. But, you know, Wisdom, they really haven't let him face a righty for the most part. I think it's happened once or twice over the last, like, month. So 
that's really his role. He's, he faces lefties, and he'll probably come out you know, for a pinch hitter or a defensive replacement or something at some point as the game moves along. So that's his role. Um, you know, it's a role he can still have success in. He, up until this year, has really mashed against lefties, and that power off the bench or that power in that kind of limited role is a real threat as well. So I think that's just the role that he's going to be in for now, and it makes a lot of sense just given the rest of this Cubs roster right now. Yeah, and you brought it up. I mean, Jamer Candelario just playing, you know, really good third base, but also his bat has just been a great addition for the Cubs since the trade deadline. So hopefully they're trying to get him back as soon as possible. But you're right, Wisdom has his role um, in that moment. Tony, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, you've, you've been watching this Cubs team from the very beginning, and I'm curious if, like, who the Cubs are right now is the best version of their 2023 season, right? Like, like, like they've been so many different teams at several points throughout the season, but you know, and they've added guys and, and taken them away and brought guys up, but, but who they are right now, would you say this is the best version of the 2023 Cubs? Um, I would say no, just because I guess for a couple different reasons. So one, obviously just the timing, like they're coming off arguably their worst series. And like I said, a couple of months. So like just the way in which they're playing, but two, I think the lineup just isn't firing on all cylinders the way we've seen it, the way we saw it for like a six-week stretch there, you know, when they rattled off that uh, that winning streak before the trade deadline and then played so well after and took it to the the Reds scoring 37 runs and back to it, you know, in the total of two days and stuff like that. Like this lineup obviously wasn't going to sustain that forever, but at times they're struggling to score runs. And I think they had 22 or 23 guys left on base in this three-game series in Colorado, um, you know, it seems like they're just scuffling a bit. They ran into some really good pitching against Arizona last weekend, so that was understandable. Obviously, they'll face Arizona again. You know, they're going to be facing Atlanta and Milwaukee later in, in this season, you know, in the regular season as well. And, you know, making the playoffs, like, they're going to be facing the best pitchers every single day and every single night. So um, they're going to have to figure it out, but that's also the ebbs and flows of the season. But I do think, like you were talking about, too, like Candelario being on the IL is big. And as you mentioned, Edward Alzali being on the IL is huge as well because getting him back allows has a nice trickle-down effect on not only the rest of the, the bullpen, but the rest of the pitching staff. And then I think, too, seeing what Marcus Stroman can be when he returns, if he returns, uh, even if it's only a guy that gives the Cubs three or four innings, you know, one or two times before the regular season is up. I think that gives the Cubs the best chance of being the best version of themselves before the playoffs hit. So those are the three guys that I'm kind of watching and, um, and really kind of, I don't know, just paying attention to, to see if they come back, how they come back and how they impact the rest of the roster. Of course, Tony, it is unreal that we're talking about a Cubs team vying for a playoff spot while those three guys are unavailable. I mean, that's a huge portion of your team when you're talking about talent, right? So it's just the Cubs have put themselves in a good place, and hopefully they can get those guys back uh, before the end of the season. All right, so before I let you go, I mean, how do you see it playing out? Like, what do you see happening for the Chicago Cubs, not only just up until the playoffs, but even through it? Yeah, yeah. I think it'll probably play out the way the last few weeks have gone. Uh just this series and this week in particular, the Cubs have put themselves in a spot where like, you know, by tomorrow morning they could wake up and be five back of the Brewers with 15 to go. Like that's, 
pretty insurmountable gap. Now, now it's not impossible by any means, especially when you have three head-to-head games at the end of the season. But it, it's pretty unlikely um, in that scenario that the Cubs would be able to win the division. Um, so, you know, it would take the Brewers losing, and they just haven't done that for like two months either. You know, the, the Cubs have been such a hot team, but one of the only teams that's been better than them in that stretch for most of that stretch, I mean, is, is the Brewers. So um, you just can't count on the Brewers to lose, even if the Cubs go, what, you know, 10 and 5 or um, 11 and 4 or whatever over the final 15 games. So the way I see it playing out is I think the Cubs are kind of vying for wildcard positioning and they're pretty close behind the Phillies. The Phillies do have the tiebreaker. And if the Cubs sweep in Arizona, they would have the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks. So it very well may come down to tiebreakers. It may come down to the final few days of the season and, you know, to see whether the Cubs get that, that first wildcard spot, which means they host the, uh, that wildcard series, the three games or, you know, two plus games at Wrigley field, or if they're the second wildcard, or even if they're the third, the final spot, and they kind of sneak in a bit. And then that means they would have to go to Milwaukee and, and try to, you know, win a best of three series. So I think that's, that's the way I see it playing out. Um, but to be honest, I, especially the way the last couple of months have gone, like I'm not ruling anything out. I, I would not be surprised at all if the Cubs had, you know, an epic eight or nine game winning streak, especially when you have the fact that like the Pirates and Rockies are on the schedule there back to back and playing the Braves who um, are very close to having essentially nothing to play for the last week of the season too. So <laughs> right. I, it's going to be super interesting. And like you said too, I mean, where the Cubs are at, like this is where anybody following the team wanted them to be at Mm -hmm. is to be September 13th talking about the Cubs firmly in a playoff spot and then how the next couple of weeks play out. And that's what everybody wanted. That's what the Cubs wanted. That's what fans wanted. And so it's going to be a really fun ride the last two, two and a half weeks here. Yeah, Tony, not only in the last two and a half weeks, but even the off season, because you understand that the Cubs are going to be a different team in 2024 than they were in 2023. And you can just pinpoint places where you feel like you can improve the roster. And if you can build off of what they're doing this year, obviously it says so much for the Chicago Cubs uh, for the future. Tony, I appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time, man, and chatting, chatting about some Cubs. It was, a, it was a great one. Look forward to having you on again soon, all right? Yeah, anytime. Thanks, Ed. Tony Andraki, make sure you follow him, Cubs reporter for the Marquee Sports Network, at Tony Andraki 23 on Twitter. Make sure you guys give him a follow couple things that stood out to me, you know, just about where the Cubs are at right now. Listen to this stat, baby T. Open up the lines again, too, because I want to open. I want to give people a chance to call in. But before I go to that, there is not one team in the entire National League, not one, who in the last 10 games has a record that's better than six and four. Not one. Just to let you know, like, what is going on in the National League, they're essentially just beating up on each other. Whether it is the Rockies taking two out of three versus the Cubs or the Cubs taking, you know, two out of three from the from the Braves over the last six and four. Braves, six and four. Brewers, six and four. Dodgers, five and five. Phillies, four and six. Cubs, five and five. Diamondbacks six and four. Giants five and five. The Reds and the Marlins both six and four. San Diego, Pittsburgh, the Mets in their last ten, five and five. Then Washington three and seven. St. Louis six and four. Colorado three and seven. Bruh. If I were a Cubs fan, I'd be so frustrated. 
Because then I think to myself, I am everyone's sucking right now. And I had two games against the Colorado Rockies. Phillies have lost two straight, just like the Cubs. Cubs could be tied with the Phillies right now for that first play, uh, wild card spot had they won these last two versus the Rockies. The Brewers one surprises me too because I thought they would have been way better than right. what you said. Six and four is the best. Six and four in their last ten, and they and, and, and uh, six and four in their last ten, and of course they won their last two games where the Cubs have lost. Of course, of course, that's how this works. In Every time they get so close, they pull right back. It's like they're they, winning the tug of war match. It's, it's terrible. But listen, the reason I talk about panic is because if I had a one and a half game, two and a half game lead over the last spot in the playoffs and there were three teams within striking distance, that would, that would draw fear into my heart. But got some good games. Cubs, Cubs are going to do it because they've been doing it all season. I have faith in the Cubbies. Just, you know, just think they will. All right. Let's talk some more Bears on the other side. And Tyler Farringall, being the wonderful producer that he is, posed a very good question. We've been tossing it around here, and it is, who is the most valuable defensive player for the Chicago Bears? I know who I, know who I think it is. He's not on the defensive line, I'll tell you that. 312-644-6767. When you're looking at this Bears defense, and the reason why this came up is because Dave wants that, had a very strong take that we're going to play for you after the break as well regarding the Bears defense. But maybe that's the problem is that you don't know who the most valuable defensive player is. Maybe that's the problem. But who would you say? You can text. You can call. We'll take them after the break. 312-644-6767. Who do you think, when you're thinking about the Chicago Bears defense, is the most valuable of them all? We'll take your calls next. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know, I think for me it's a little bit different because when I come back on the sideline, you know, I'm going over the pictures. Uh, I'm going over 
talking to Luke, talking to Andrew on, you know, what plays we have coming up next. So um, I don't necessarily get to watch the defense as much, you know, when they're up. But, of course, you know, um, when I do uh, talk to Jaquan about this, we, we, we do need to have, you know, more energy. Um, and, that, and that's on both sides. When we're up, uh, we need to get, you know, each other going. Um, we need to be on the uh, sideline, you know, getting the defense right up and getting them, you know, more juiced up. So, um, you know, I think that's um, a, a thing that, you know, both sides can do better for each other and um, just create more energy. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Justin Fields right there talking about how he and Jaquan Brisker had a little powwow. Well, group chat, you're not the only ones. These guys got them too. And they talked about the energy that was needed for the Bears. Bears fall to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. That was tough. Tough for multiple reasons. I think that's why it was so difficult for most Bears fans because it just the the explanation wasn't even there in your brain. Like you were trying to figure it out, but there was too many things that were bad. So you couldn't process like why you felt so icky. But maybe it was the defense. And when we're talking about this game on Sunday versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you try to think to yourself, who is the MVP of the defense? Most valuable player. I would say it's Tremaine Edmonds. And he's big. And he looked fast on Sunday. That's my pick, Gabe. That's your pick? That's my pick. See, we're on the same page here. I think for me, though, it's more about him, like, obviously playing, but I feel like he came off with such a strong impression as a leader in all those press conferences. So I would want the defense to play under kind of his wing. What's his word going to be to the defense this upcoming week to get their play back? Because I really, really liked him from a a word standpoint in all those press conferences this offseason. He did a good job even after the first game of, really trying to deflect everything by saying you can't judge things by the first game, whether it were it, it was good or bad. I wouldn't want you to judge us off that first game. So give us the opportunity. And I think that's something that's what a leader does says things like that. Well, baby T thinks it's Tremaine Edmonds. I think it's Tremaine Edmonds. What does coach wants that think is the, or who does he think is the most valuable defensive player for the Chicago bears? Now with Tyler Gordon, not, and Tyler Gordon and our defense guys might be the most important player on the field for what the nickel does. If he doesn't play, that now all of a sudden you got to pull the reins in. You got to simplify things. We we can't do as much. We're going to have to create some pressure to help if he can't play. And I think he's right on, Kyler Gordon. I know he said Tyler, but I know he he knows what he meant. It's like my wife when I say something incorrectly and she corrects me, and I'm like, bro. Did you know what I meant? Did you? Do we need to take these seven seconds to correct me? Maybe she just corrects me too often. But Kyler Gordon plays an important role, whether it's lining up against the opposing team's best tight end, who is then in the slot if they come out in 12 personnel or something like that. And then it is their slot receiver, who's their speed guy that he's trying to stop also. If, it's, if they're in some sort of a zone, maybe it's the running back that's coming out into the... I mean, it is it's a tough, tough job. Kyler Gordon excels at it because he is athletic and can just kind of fit into any role. So the unfortunate thing is that he suffered an injury. And Matt Eberflus talked about Kyler Gordon's hand and what that update is. In terms of the injury, uh, you know, to uh, 
you know, the uh, for Kyler, uh, don't expect him to practice today. Um, and it, we all know it's his hand, and I don't have anything more than that right now. Um, so that's where that is right there. Pretty matter of fact. Something's wrong with his hand. We don't know how long he'll be on there. Well, what do you know? I got an admirer. We're playing Twitter time right now, baby T. <laughs> I got you, bro. That's coming up in a little bit, guys. Twitter time. Sorry, baby. You say my fault on the air, not in my headphones. You say my bad, guys. Baby T in the building, you know? Over-preparing. Yeah, over-preparing. I like it. You can't know such thing. You need, he, uh, he avoided the IR. It's not going to be gone that long, but it just sucks. It sucks when you guys hurt. It's not Aaron Rodgers hurt, but it's, it sucks. Josh Blackwell is going to be stepping in for Kyler Gordon, and Ibrahim's talked about what that would be like as well. We're just looking at all of our options, but in terms of with Blackwell himself, in terms of his the comment about last year, it's invaluable, right, to be able to be out there and know the position. You know, as we said before, there's a lot of detail to the position, uh, that nickel spot, and, uh, you know, he's done a good job in there. You know, he's been a good special teamer for us, and, uh, you know, if we go that route, that'll be, you know, it'll be, uh, he'll do a nice job. We're going that route. Let's just be very clear. Kyler Gordon's not playing on Sunday, right? What, he's going to play with a cast? Can't imagine. I can't imagine him playing with a broken no, hand. Stop it, stop it, stop it. He's not going to be there. But I just, that, that goes back to like transparency. I wish people would just say it like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to change their game plan because oh, maybe they will. Maybe they would. Who knows? All right. Um, when you're looking at this game on Sunday, of course, you can point to so many aspects as to why the Bears perform poorly. But there was one thing in particular that Coach Eberflus pointed to uh, when it came to lack of execution. I mean, energy, energy really comes down to what does it come down to? You know, it comes down to executing, right? You get energy from execution. Does that make sense? You know, so, you know, execute at a high level, get a lot of energy, right? You know, in defense, you know, big hits and takeaways, that's execution. That takes, that's what it takes, right? Uh, Big runs, chunk plays, right? That creates energy, right? So we're always going to be positive, upbeat. And those are the guys that are in the locker room. The guys in the locker room have great attitudes, they have, you know, great motivation. You know, they, that's why they're in the, in the seats they are, right? They're all tough, right? So we got to make sure that we, if we execute, right, we're going to have great energy, right? Because, you know, it's play after play after play. You know, is the other team going to make a play? Yeah, you got to reset and then go execute. And that's, that's where that energy comes from. I counted 17 rights in that statement. Right we need an um count, too. He's usually pretty good yeah. with the ums. But pull that one up again. Energy comes from execution by Matt Eberflus. Let's just listen to the first little bit of it. And I get it. You're just, it's just like level of redundancy. You're there. You're just like, right? You know? You want like your own affirmations there. You pull it up? I'll tell you when to stop. Go ahead, play it. I mean, energy, energy really comes down to what does it come down to? You know, it comes down to executing, right? You get energy from execution. Does that make sense? You know, so you know, execute at a high level, get a lot of energy, right? You know, in defense, you know, big hits and takeaways, that's execution. That takes, that's what it takes, right? Uh, big runs, chunk plays, right? That creates energy, right? So we're always going to be positive, upbeat, and those are the guys that are in the locker room. The guys in the locker room have great attitudes. They have, you know, great motivation. You know, they, that's why they're in the, in the seats they are, right? They're all tough, right? So we got to make sure that we, if we execute, Right, we're going to have great energy, right? Because you know it's play after play after play. You know, is the other team going to make a play? Yeah, you got to reset and then go execute, and that's that's where that energy comes from. Nine, that's how many we got. I'm here for it. I got to be honest. I'm here for it. 
I love language. I love what some will call that a crutch. I love them. I'm here for it. Analyzing Coach Eberflus in his language at 837 on the score. He's, he's 100% right, though. Let's be honest. If you execute properly, if you do an outside kick and you execute it properly, what comes as a result from that? Energy. If you block the guy properly, if you're on the offensive line, you block a guy properly and you execute that, you give Justin Fields time to it, and then he executes the throw properly to the wide receiver who runs the route and executes that properly. What is the result of that? A tutty, a first down, something that's positive. That equates to energy. Totally understand it. You know what else equates to, you know what else equates to energy? Deep throws equates to energy. Um, I don't think it's a, a schematic thing. I just think it's you know when you when you're taking your shot down the field on a 50-50 ball, you just you got to let it you got to let it ride. You know, and if, if the guy's really high on top of the guy, which I think was the case a couple times, um, so then it's just a, a, the discernment of the quarterback. If he's real high on him, then you just go ahead and go to your next read, right? But uh, we certainly have some guys that can get some 50-50 balls. So if you feel that that you know feel good about the where, where the location is of the corner, we're going to go up and send it up. I just, when I hear that clip, all I think back to is the Monday night football game. Garrett Wilson going up to Zach Wilson and, and like chewing his, not chewing his ear off, but being very positive actually. But I know essentially what he told him was, Papa, listen, just throw me the ball. Don't, don't, don't look at nobody else. I'm your guy. What did Zach Wilson do on that throw for the touchdown? Threw him the ball. Just threw it to him. He wasn't open. Matter of fact, he was covered well. But your receivers are some of the most talented. Think about all those videos you watch of like wide receivers catching like the football off of a jug machine that's going 100 miles per hour with one hand, two fingers, whatever the hell they're doing. You know, you know what that would remind me of? Remember DeAndre Hopkins on Christmas Day about seven, eight years ago? <laughs> yeah. Almost same spot in the end zone. He had to same spot. tip the ball to himself. It's just like unreal what they do. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't have to always just lay it in their chest. You can just put the ball up there. Let them go get it. It's what they do for a living. I will go get this ball. Put it up in the air. I'm going to go get it. Think back to, think back to last year when Justin Fields threw that ball up to Valus Jones Jr., and it was a bad throw. But Valus Jones, what did he do? Got underneath it. Found it. Ran as fast as he could. Faster than, faster than the route. Slid like five yards to the sideline to get it. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, like, you want to be able to test these guys' speed. Put the ball in the air. Put some air underneath them and let them go get it. Uh, Justin Fields said, you know, that there's always a, a number of plays that you want back, but he, too, agreed that he was too conservative at times versus the Green Bay Packers. That's one thing um, I talked to Luke and Coach about is just, you know, um, I felt like I was a little bit too conservative at times. Uh, during the game, so um, you know, definitely with um, you know guys like DJ and Chase on the outside. If you know we do have one on one on the outside, potentially throwing it up and you know seeing what happens. So uh, you know, with them, you know they're great playmakers, and you know they can you know, most likely come up with a fifty fifty ball. So um, definitely, uh, you know, want to give them you know more chances deep down the field. It's got to be tough. It's one thing for us to be analysts or fans and criticize the team from what we see. But none of these people get an opportunity to give true rebuttals. Like, Coach Ibrahim can't get on the mic and be like, 
I got to be honest, Justin, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Right? Or, huh, Lou Getzey? Nah. Or maybe Lou Getzey gets on the mic and is like, listen, I, I know you guys are complaining about my game plan, but the fact of the matter is I called a good game. Just Justin Fields just didn't throw the, like, you know what I mean? We, those truths aren't going to be there. Because that's what people were saying. This game plan was terrible. Fire Lou Getzey. Even I wrote it. Well, I didn't write fire Lou Getzey. All I said was, Tell me again how many head coaching jobs Luke Getzey was supposed to get. <laughs> Remember last year when they were talking about that? And I would tell him, I was like, anybody that listened, I'd be like, Luke Getzey, what are you talking about? The Bears have the worst offense in the NFL. Who's gonna, What owner is going to be like, yeah, I want to hire that guy for my head coaching position? I didn't understand that last year. The reason I'm bringing all this up is because we might think Luke Getzey is the only person responsible for that game plan, but we heard from Justin Fields that that's not the case. Pretty involved, you know. Um, of course, they put the plays in, and then you know I communicate with Luke and Andrew on what plays I'm comfortable with, what plays I like and dislike, and you know uh, the answers to different coverages and stuff like that. So I'm pretty involved with it. Mm. Of course he is. Ah, uh, Justin, just just throw for three hundred and three tutties. Even if you throw one interception, three tutties, one interception, three hundred yards. No one's gonna care about that. Matter of fact, three tutties, two interceptions, three hundred yards, and a win. No one's going to care about those two interceptions. Get that win. Get that win. Get three Get three tutties. Get 300 yards. Any of those. Any of those metrics. Three tutties, 300 yards, or leave your fingers in the form of a three and put it up, and that's a W. Give me any of those, and I'll be all right. Twitter time coming up next. A little bit of pop coach, a little bit of sports right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, what do you know? I got an admirer. You spend so much time on Twitter, you're not enjoying the better things in life. All those idiots on Twitter. It's Twitter time with Gabe Ramirez. I only want to know one thing. Can you cuss on Twitter? I give a rat's ass about Twitter. To be brutally honest, I'm not a Twitter guy. Let's scroll through some tweets. Chirp, chirp. A little bit of pop culture, a little bit of sports. I call it Twitter time. What did you miss today in the Twitter sphere? We are going to tackle it one by one for the last couple of minutes. Chirp, chirp. First up from Josh Rock, who we were just talking to today. He said, Chase Claypool didn't speak to the media today. Huh. Huh. Coincidence? Would have been nice to hear from him. Again, I talked about it earlier, wanting to just hear from everybody, right? Like, what did you have to say about this? But... No Chase Claypool. I'm sure he's going to speak sooner or later. Chirp, chirp. This from the Splash Bro, singular, on Twitter. Did you see this list that came out? They're trying to uh, impede the, I don't know, excessive usage of player management, load management. And there's 49 star players who are subject to the new player participation policy. Ben Simmons being one of them. And... The Splash Bros said there's no way Ben Simmons is on this list. <laughs> I did see the Bulls have a couple qualified players on the list. Of course. You can't. I want to see Zach Levine if I'm coming to the, to the stadium. I better see a little bit of Zach Levine. 
All right, next one. Let's go. Sure, All right, sure. uh, Twitter time here on 670 The Score. This from o- at O-G-Y underscore E-M-Y. It says, crazy but true, Dennis Rodman led the league in rebounds for seven straight seasons. That's not the amazing part. The first year leading, he was 30 years old. The last year leading was 37. What? What? 30 to 37, you're leading the league in rebounds? What? That's crazy. The worm does not care. It was a it was a cool time to be watching Dennis Rodman play for the Chicago Bulls growing up as a young kid. That was wild. Chirp, chirp. All right, this from at G I E Drock G Drock the underscore W. And I don't even like Star Wars. I'm like I'm not a Star Wars fan, I should say. And I'm only reading it because I'm trying to shout them out. Ahsoka, you you know what that is? Ahsoka? Yeah, Ahsoka. I know who she is. Okay. Is absolutely amazing. Most recent episode five was perfectly done all throughout, flickering between Vader and Anakin as well as seeing young, young Ahsoka, Ahsoka lot in live action was awesome. This show is everything. I love. I thought Dave Filoni would do and some. Dave always kills it. Let's go. Again, this is what Twitter time is about. Is like, I have no idea what that is, but it's trending on Twitter. So I figured if I read it, somebody would know, and then they'd be like, Gabe, you should check that out. So. I got love for everybody over here. Right. Sure, sure. Uh, but we also do a little pop culture. This from Discussing Film. It says, Margot Robbie has joined the SAG picket lines. You know, the SAG after, uh, uh, or the SAG Awards is what you guys were probably more familiar with. That's like all the, the actors union and the writers union. I'm a part of it as well. And Margot Robbie's on the picket, li- picket line, in the picket lines. Huh. Guess I got to get to LA. <laughs> those picket lines. Sure, sure. All right, last one, everybody. This from John Daigle. This is so cool. On today's podcast, Austin Eckler and I discussed why Joshua Kelly should be 100% rostered in fantasy. He's a backup running back with contingent value, but may have some standalone value too. This is for my this is for my um, fantasy football players. I have Austin Eckler on my team, and he uh, it's really cool to think because he said he he said he was trying to draft himself in his league. But he had like a really late pick in the, in the first round, so he couldn't pick himself. He said he was bummed out about that. But think about that: him trying to tell you to play uh, to pick up his backup because he, his ankle might not be feeling right. That's wild. That's where we're at right now in 2023, ladies and gentlemen. All right, want to thank my guest today, Josh Schrock from NBC Sports Chicago. Want to thank Carmen Vitali from Fox Sports for coming on, talking a little bit of Bears and Packers. Got to thank Tony Andraki for giving us some more information on the Chicago Cubs from the Marquee Sports Network as well. Got to thank Baby T, our producer extraordinaire, holding things down today. Baby T, I said that's his, that's his radio name. Who gave you that name? It was me. But he got to bang his hat to the side. How old is Baby T? You look young, by the way. Twenty-two. Oh wow! You know you're young when you give your age freely. <laughs> oh, that clip. I hope it lives forever. It's Clay Harbor in there too. All right, uh, next time you hear me on the radio, Friday, 6 to 8 p.m., leading you into Cubs baseball before they take on the Arizona Diamondbacks. All right, mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time. I am Gabe Ramirez, and this is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.